So magic wand would be change the world in such a way that people stop racing, looking for instant gratification and really take life at a slightly different pace and try, try and learn what's important. Hello, welcome to the Fun with Bells podcast. I'm Cathy Booth. Today I'm talking to Don McLean about ringing in Ireland. In this interview, which was recorded in November last year, Don tells us how he originally got into bell ringing, about teaching a whole new band of ringers from scratch, the ringing scene in Ireland, including the bells in his garage, and his plans for ringing after COVID. learned to ring when he was 10 and became the tower ringing master at 15. He has since held numerous positions including the Association of Ireland Presidency. He is currently a Central Council representative, the Northern Ireland District Ringing Master and the Association of Ringing Teachers Development Officer for Northern Ireland. Don led the training of a completely new band for the Peace Ring of Bells at Kilmood, installed in 2018 in time to ring as part of the Ringing Remembers campaign. Hello, Don. Hello, Kathy. Hi. Don, first of all, I'd just like to ask you to give, in a very briefly, a little bit about your life outside of bell ringing. Okay, well, outside of bell ringing, I studied medicine for a number of years but had to eventually give up on that effort and worked in the Belfast Telegraph newspaper. And then from that, after some 20 odd years, got back into medicine. I work in the Ulster Hospital in Dundonald. And my current job is to ensure that cancer patients are sped through the treatment pathways as fast as possible to make sure that if you are referred in, by a GP as a red flag, which is obviously priority suspect cancer. My job is to mind make sure that you're put through the system as fast as humanly possible. So at any one time, I'm watching about 200 people and trying to make sure that unnecessary blockages are overcome in, in the treatment pathway. That's one half of the job. And then the other half of the job is they have these multidisciplinary team meetings where the various specialists come together to decide what their treatment's going to be. And my job is to coordinate that and effectively sit in and make the running of that smooth, recording the results and the outcomes and what have you. That sounds very important work. How has COVID affected what you're doing? Oh, immensely. At the end of the day, certainly the first time around with the COVID, all treatments uh, had to be stopped. Of course, they weren't sure what was going to happen. So all cancer pathway people were all halted uh, and, and space was made for the anticipated influence of COVID patients. And indeed, things got very close to breaking down. This time round, at the moment we're doing quite well in the Ulster Hospital, to maintain these patients, these red flags are they're called patients, that they are not in any way affected by the COVID situation and that so far we've managed to avoid that. But it does mean you're working an awful lot more and you're overcoming difficulties like people getting appointments who are then not turning up because they're worried about covid and 
leaving spaces that you could have used for somebody else who's maybe desperately keen. So it's affected us a lot. Sounds very challenging. Yeah, but it's rewarding as well because every phone call you make, and I know maybe half a dozen times a day when I'm on the way home, I can reflect on interventions I've made at various levels, which has resulted in somebody not being delayed. And where cancer is concerned, of course, uh, delay is not good. So I should imagine bell ringing is quite a contrast to, to that. It is. Yes, it is. It is an interesting contrast. But having said that, there are similarities in the sense that you do have to try and organise things in a way that you're keeping lots of plates spinning at the same time, which is a wee bit like ringing Surprise Maximus and stuff like that, or or conducting a quarter field and keeping them all. So there are similarities. But yes, it is is quite a contrast. How did you first get into ringing? Basically, my family had no tradition in bell ringing. In Ireland, because we're so spread out, most bell ringers are recruited through their families, to be fair. And younger ringers in particular come in that way. But back in the day, it was somewhat easier. And the story is, I was going to church one November one year in 1966. And it was dark evening and the bells were ringing, but the lights were on. And the church, as I showed you in the picture I sent of St. Nicholas, is a detached campanile. So you walk up in below. So anyway, I stopped. My eye was caught. I'd walked in many times before, but I suppose because the lights were on, I got caught to the bell ringing and I stood and watched for a bit. I thought, God, I would love to do that. That would be interesting. Now, having said all that, I knew that I would never, ever have walked up the stairs to ring bells. Okay? That was just never going to happen. <laughs> but what actually happened was that was a Sunday morning. It was either the, the, the following evening or the evening after that. It was within two days anyway. My phone, the phone in our house, I was at the time, I remember I was 10, the phone in our house went, I was told it was for me, and it was actually the then girlfriend of a bell ringer asking me would I like to be a bell ringer. So I was, I, I didn't say a word. <laughs> I was stumped. She knew what age I was. It was actually, I was suggested through her boyfriend's, her boyfriend was also a ringer, and he'd asked his father, who was a Sunday school teacher, was there anybody in his class would be interested? So I got proposed in this other fellow. So I didn't say anything. Uh, and so she asked for my mum. She had a conversation with my mum. And my, my two sisters were both in the choir. My mum wanted me in the choir. I didn't want to be in the choir. So she came away from the phone and told me, you don't want to be in the choir. You're going to be a bell ringer. With that instruction, it meant that although there are always times in bell ringing that you don't want, you want to give up, I had never any choice. I was told I was going to be a bell ringer. But the funny bit is that only five or six years ago, I got talking to that same girl, she still rings, about that. And she assumed that I was stumped in the phone call because I was young, didn't really know what to say. But actually, the whole time, I was just thinking, how did they know? How did they know (laughs) I was thinking about this? So you could argue perhaps it was divine intervention, I don't know. But my whole life has changed as a result of that. But it was just. I remember a cold shiver went up my back and I thought, how did they know I thought about that? <laughs> you know, it was uncanny. It was uncanny. So that's the story. Yes. What stands out as the biggest bell ringing project you've been involved with? Well, of late, I would say the biggest bell ringing project would be when I was asked to train at the time it was 17 new older ringers as regarding a new bell tower being built or installed in Kilmood Parish Church, I 
fortuitously was the district ringing master. I just returned to ringing after having had a five-year break. And the biggest difficulty was we don't have too many qualified teachers. And obviously, without a bell tower, you've got to have 17 people. Teaching them all at the same time is quite a task. So I had to coordinate that with one or two others who are good teachers and organise an overview and standardise for the purposes of art the standard of teaching that they were getting and involved myself in it as well. So that involved four or five nights a week, really ringing bells one way or another in various locations. But fortunately enough, we succeeded. All 17 ringers are still ringing. One of them is in slightly poorer health, so doesn't ring quite so often. And indeed, I believe, I think we've got two more recruits in the pipeline. But of course, with COVID, that's all on a pause at the moment. So that was quite a challenge to train 17 new ringers all at once. How did you organise that? First of all, I got the cooperation of four or five teachers whose abilities I certainly respected. There were two or three others who unfortunately were too old really to make the commitment in that sense. So then what we had to do was to find three bell towers where teaching could happen. And we divided them up into groups and they were taught in each of those locations with me visiting all three of them every week, really, uh, and involved in teaching people in each one as well, uh, assisted by the other teachers. Then, originally, they, they all made a visit to a district practice that we had just to see bell ringing for real. They had been recruited through their own church, through an appeal, but uh, they were all older people, and, and there would be several in their 50s. But the, the amazing thing is they've all kept it on, and I can tell you even now, currently, during covid they are organising themselves. It's a relatively small bell tower, but they can ring, spaced out. They can ring, I think it's four pre-service and four after-service to ensure that those sets of four people are all different. Uh, and then if recently they've acquired some handbells. All in all, it's probably one of my most successful endeavours and the fact that they're all still ringing and very enthusiastic. Of course, it's very difficult when everybody's learning at the same time. Trying to get them away from memorising the numbers and stuff is really quite difficult. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, but we're slowly but surely getting there. You know? and, and if somebody else was going to be involved in a project like that, what advice would you give other people who are attempting to do something similar? I think the biggest difficulty, as I just hinted at there, is the fact you've got all these people at the same stage. Now, if you're lucky enough to have good qualified teachers uh qualified, not even qualified, but experienced teachers of a good standard with you. Life makes a lot, it's a lot easier, and especially when the bell towers are all relatively close together. But so the key thing would be to get that coordination, split them up into little groups, and then basically as regularly as possible, teach them. If you can, do it as often as possible. I'm a great believer in teaching intensely as opposed to spread out over a long way to go, which was probably easier to do in years gone by without the distractions we have now. People are more into gaining gaining knowledge quickly and expecting to gain it quickly. So if we can do that would be the big advice, I would say. I see. Yes, that sounds like useful advice. Yes. And Kilmood, what, what effect did it have on the community around Kilmood, having those bells installed with the new ringers there? The community, it's a small village, not that far from built-up locations, but still a small village, obviously with no tradition of bell ringing. And the wonderful thing was, because I was expecting there would be problems, but in fact, the whole community actually love it. It's textbook stuff when it comes to ringing to celebrate weddings or events, even relating to the village. There's a great feeling of togetherness 
in the village. So far, I, I have to say that it, it's been well accepted. Uh, and indeed, they do have young people queuing up. The problem is, through the organisations and stuff, the problem is that it's getting, the, well, forgetting about COVID, the other problem would be getting the, the, the people to teach them, even in their own location. Could you give me an overview of the Bell Towers in Ireland? Okay. Bell Ringing in Ireland is under the Irish Association of Change Ringers. That encompasses the whole island. The ringing is predominantly Anglican in the Church of Ireland, which is, as you probably know, is separate really from the Church of England within the Anglican Communion. But there are also, I think it's four Roman Catholic bell towers which happen to be in the south. Then the bell ringers, there's probably about 350 to 400 bell ringers. It varies. It's gone up recently, post-ringing remembers. But there's between 350 and 400 bell ringers. And then the association is divided into three districts, the northern district, the southern district, and the eastern district. The northern district, not intentionally, but effectively, is Northern Ireland. Were there to be ever a bell tower in Donegal, it would probably be in the Northern District. That would lead to, of course, complications because of the currency and even just different laws on safeguarding and all that stuff. But at the moment, effectively, Northern Ireland is the Northern District. And indeed, it pre-existed the Irish Association as an entity. South then organised itself into two districts. The Eastern District, which is really Dublin, that side of Ireland, down south of that, in a direct line. And then the Southern District, which is really Limerick, Cork, and down that side of the country. There are 10 bells, I think it's 10 bell towers in each of those two Southern Districts. That makes 20. And then in the North, there are 17. Slightly more bell towers than Northern Ireland. Slightly closer together in Belfast, but still, at the end of the day, you're talking about a grand total of of 37 bell towers. It blows me away when I go to Central Council meetings in particular, and I'm looking at the towers in the locality and what have you, you see the same number of bell towers as there are in the whole of Ireland. The other thing I could say too is that when I do go to Central Council, as you do, you're waiting in the airport coming home, you get talking to somebody sitting beside you. And this is an incredible fact, but on three occasions now I've got talking to someone and on two of those occasions, it turned out that they either did ring bells, had rung bells, or were very friendly with somebody who who rang bells. And uh, again, part of the difficulties we have in Ireland is something like that just would never happen. Most people, I would say 95% even, if they know anything about bell ringing at all, more than a single bell, they probably think that somebody is pushing a button oh, to no. make it happen. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Do, the, do you have striking competitions in Ireland? We do. Each district has its own striking competition. And depending on the number of entrant teams, you get a qualifier. Obviously, the winner qualifies, but you can get other qualifiers who then come together, usually but not always in Dublin because it's a central location, to take part in the All-Ireland Bell Ringing Championship, which happens every year. That can, as I say, vary between perhaps three and nine teams, depending on how many take part. And that's become a, a quite a good social occasion. And one of the ways that bell ringers, the association, if you like, uh, can hold together, because with the exception of a few individuals like myself, who in the past have travelled widely, people do tend to stay in their own little districts. So certainly you've got the north-south south situation, and although we're all, we all get on, you, you know, people just don't travel that far, certainly since the troubles all happened. And even since that, it's improved, but not a lot. That's one way of holding this. And then we also have the association annual dinner, which is, a, which is a very informal uh, occasion. And strapped onto that is the association ring festival, 
which moves around each district on a three-year cycle. And again, that's a great way of getting people from all corners of Ireland together on a social-friendly basis. And then we also have association practices as well as, as district practices. But the competition-wise, that's the main thing. Although there are specific change-ringing competitions and young people competitions as well. All right. That's good. And what happens if somebody wants to visit and ring one of the towers? Oh, very welcome. Certainly, with the possible exception of Kilmud, which of course is one of the new towers, and have a queue of people wanting to to tick them off their list. But and Dunmanley would be the same in the south. Yeah, anyone of, of any standard is very welcome to, to ring anywhere in Ireland, and the chances are they'll certainly not be pushing anybody off a bell. People will go out of their way to make it possible for you to ring if they possibly can, uh, and obviously advise you then. Where, one of the first questions they'll ask you is, how, how long are you here for? Where are you going? You can, here's where you can ring. Can you tell me a little bit about the photo that you sent me of the district set of bells? Oh, yes. In the course of another bell ringing project that my wife in particular was involved in, again, I was doing the teaching aspect of it, which was Grey Abbey, which was probably the new bell tower before Kilmood, going back perhaps like it's 10 years now. Perhaps longer time is passing so quickly. But in the course of that, it was suggested that we get a mini set of bells. And so funding was gained, various grants and stuff were done. And the district now has a mini set of bells, which the idea was would be in various locations and we could move about. We discovered they weren't quite as mobile as you would have hoped. But having said that, they have been taken around a few places. But they were located in, in a few other spots over the last wee while but in the last two or three years the last couple of years anyway they've actually ended up in my garage and so what happens is and unfortunately covid again causes a problem this but what we did have was a kind of once a month on a saturday there would be a mini bell practice and it was a great great social occasion great fun and also it allowed some less experienced ringers to see the experts struggle in some basic ways with coping with miniature bells because we don't ring them very often. They've been rung to one quarter peel. I'm not quite sure how we ever managed to achieve that, but I, I was there, so I have to assume it did happen. But yeah, so they're in, they're currently located in our garage and they're up and erected there. And, and uh, when we do ring them, prior to COVID, uh, you used to get lots of comments from people coming past. They couldn't believe what they were seeing. So that 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 was, the, it was actually for recruitment purposes, and it did work very well. In Bangor, they they again pre-COVID, organised an extremely uh, useful recruitment exercise and the mini bells were transported over to Mank from my home for a great attraction to, to people who came along to the event. And from that, I understand they, they, they gained three or four more recruits. Oh, I see. Very good. And the, you said they're in your garage. I noticed in the photo that there are chairs as well. Oh, yes. Well, normally you would have them full height and there's four other leg extensions which aren't there. And you would stand in below in the normal circumstances. But because of the height of the ceiling in our garage, you have to take the four legs off. Uh, and therefore, the only way you can ring them is sitting down. I see. Which has its advantages, of course, because uh, it's more relaxed. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. And what do your neighbours think? They obviously, as I said before, people do not have any bell ringing tradition as such. They hear the bells when there's a royal wedding or something like that occasionally on TV programmes, but they just think it's wonderful. And I know there's two or three who are very keen to go over and see us in action. And it's, a, it's an open day, to say, once a month. 
to all the ringers in, in, in Ireland, really, but obviously primarily the northern district and the locality. But there's the, the neighbours want to come over and have a look because they've heard so much about it and actually they enjoy listening to them. That's good. At, at probably It's probably an advantage that they don't have that tradition because we're not that good quite often, <laughs> but they don't, they don't know that. <laughs> What's happening to ringing in Ireland during COVID? You mentioned Kilmood, but what else is happening? Okay, um, in Carrickfergus, my original home tower, they had a good recruitment drive through Ringing Remembers in particular and an appeal in the church. And Robert, who is our current district chairman, has managed to get them from a situation where they weren't ringing at all to just ringing the odd Sunday evening to now ringing every Sunday morning, even during COVID. Spread out, I think he has three, possibly four at a maximum ringing for 15 minutes every Sunday morning. So that's great progress because that means that those people are not drifting away from the bell ringing. And indeed, he's managed to bring a couple more in who'd, uh, who were more of my time way back who drifted away from ringing and had come back. So that's a success. But there's probably in most towers, there would be a single bell being rung for a period of time. I also know that in St. Patrick's in Dublin, they had reinstated their Sunday morning rings. But I think with the strict, very strict regulations now imposed in the south of Ireland, I think they've had to stop that for the time being. So there'd be one or two other towers dotted about the place uh, in Limerick where they have sufficient space they would ring three or four, again, for a short period of time. But as far as practices and stuff goes, people uh, were just marking time, really. And so when the COVID restrictions are lifted, what do you see as the challenges to bell ringing in Ireland? Ireland generally. I can talk about Northern Ireland in particular, but the differences aren't that great between the North or the South. The challenges remain the same, as I've already said, about uh, tradition and distances. But what I had identified uh, through the Kilmood project, and indeed through a couple of other things I've been involved in over the years, and become aware of when I came back to ringing, is that there's not only are we losing ringers, which is happening everywhere, but we're losing experienced teachers. And I increasingly, as district ring master traveling around the towers, uh, noticed and saw that there were people who were doing their best, but they'd never really been instructed how to teach anybody and had this task, if you like, thrust upon them. So prior to COVID, I had, through art, organized a course which was going to be started to teach eight people I had selected who were in that situation. Some were quite good teachers and were more, in, I was thinking more in terms of future insurance possibilities, but there was at least six who had thrust upon them and they were all in different locations. So they're all going to come together to this training session in Jumbo, which was another tower I've run in regularly for many years, and Ballet Lesson. That was all set up and ready to go, booked, people paid, courses set, and that was going to be April this year. So that all had to be halted. So looking to the future, I would hope that that could happen again. The problem was it was a big commitment on my part because to standardise the teaching, I was then going to have to travel around these people. That's the way the art thing goes and supervise how they're teaching and all that kind of stuff. I mean, the follow-up is the big part of this course. Um, and I'm not getting any younger. But looking to the future, that's the essential thing because we could get ourselves into a situation, which has happened a bit with Renew Remembers and to a lesser extent with Kilmood, where you get an influx of people wanting to learn and you haven't got the teachers anymore. And as we're all getting older, there's less and less of us. This is a quick break to thank our sponsors, the Association of Ringing Teachers, ART. You can find out more at bellringing.org, where there are resources to support your ringing, 
to find out how to learn to ring or to learn to teach. Now back to the episode. If you had a magic wand to change one thing about the bell ringing world, what would it be? In Ireland? Yes, in Ireland, yes. Um, a magic wand, that's an interesting thought. Make them aware of bell ringing as a, and, and the purpose of it and the usefulness of it. That's therefore that when you just, as I did, as I said earlier, in airports, just talking to people, have a situation where people were more aware that bell ringing exists and what it's for. It never ceases to amaze me. Then, of course, maybe I'm getting old. Down through the years, the archers, for instance, used to have a big bell ringing element in it. But obviously, younger people in particular are not listening to the archers anymore. But that would have been a way of bringing bell ringing into people's minds. And I remember back when I was relatively young, people did, at least through that, know, oh, you mean what they do in the archers is what you would hear? Again, of course, but of course, that's, again, that's an age thing. That the younger people aren't doing that. So, uh, Magic wand would be, I, I, I don't know, get, get, change the world in such a way that people stop racing, looking for instant gratification and really take life at a slightly different pace. And try, try and learn what's important. And what advice would you give to other ringers at the moment in the middle of COVID? Right at the moment, all I would say is uh, do what I know Robert's doing down in Carrick and indeed I know that Dan in Mood in particular, and in one or two other places, make sure that you don't drift apart away from each other, don't get out of the habit of ringing, and maybe even try in some way, in some limited way, socialise within the parameters that you're allowed to, so as you still stay as a group that functions together. The various devices like the ringing room and stuff like that, they're useful, but only to ringers of a certain standard, and the majority of ringers in Ireland would not be that captivated or able to, to train change ringing as such. And so the ringing room would be a somewhat a specialist type thing that I couldn't see it really attracting them. But obviously, if you're more experienced than this, you, you could get some enjoyment from that. But really, just try and stick together, I suppose, and not forget uh, why you're doing it and, and, and try not to lose touch with each other and wait for the day when they'll be reopened. Where do you find out about Things to do with bell ringing. There's the Irish Association website, bellringingireland.org. That will give you information about where all the towers are and should give you good information on contacts for various towers if you want to do things. There's also an Irish Association website for bell ringers, which I suppose is slightly less accessible. But in the main place would be Bell Ringing Ireland. And ringing-wise, you've mentioned training up all these new teachers. I guess that's the main thing. But is there anything else ringing-wise that's next for you? For me personally? Yes. Oh, yeah. For me personally would be, well, ring a peel on these mini bells for me personally. Yes. And probably I've run most of the standard eight methods and stuff down through the years. I guess for me, I get my enjoyment. I have to say I really get my enjoyment from teaching people both the basics which are, it's just great to watch them progress and uh, you can relive yourself the, the enjoy you had as you made progress at that uh, and more importantly in the more advanced stages to make it possible for people who get to the level of doing call changes that they can if they wish 
progress further and also ensure that those who don't wish are still valued and realize that their importance is as much as anybody else's. But I know myself, if I hadn't been lucky during Carrick Fergus, where there was a nucleus of older ringers who were able to teach me the grand sires and the stebbins and stuff in my day, I would have given up bell ringing long ago. I would have got bored. But now I've discovered that there's great joy in just watching people develop and making it possible. So if you like, my main aim would be to bring about a situation where we've got a, we start to rebuild on the teaching skills. There are plenty of tools, I think, coming on stream to use to recruit actual people, but also ensure then that beyond that, they don't get to a certain stage and then get bored. And equally, something an older ringer, one of the ones that taught me in Carrick once said to me a long time ago, he said to me, Don, if the best bell ringer in the world turned up here, he would sound to the general public just the same as you standing there ringing your bell. <laughs> so remember, <laughs> remember, even the best bell ringer in the world, he doesn't change the note of his bell. And as far as the public goes, he's exactly the same. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. That's a, that's a, I, always, I always thought that was good advice. That's very good advice. <laughs> I have a couple more questions. Why did you take a, a break from bell ringing? And why did you come back? I took a break from bell ringing for a couple of reasons. But the prime one was I had been district ring master and on my third incarnation now. The, the police posts are like for three-year spells or if you go to association level, it's five-year spell. So I'd done that. As I say, I'm on my third incarnation now for district. I'd been district chairman. I'd become association remaster for my five-year stint. I'd done five years as association president in, in my time. And I felt that I'd done all those. The only thing I hadn't done was be a central council rep. So I felt that there's a great danger of becoming like one of the old fogies in the Muppets up on the balcony, criticizing everybody else. You have to make space to let the other people come along. That was a prime reason why I paused for five years, but also work commitments played a part. And then it was actually my wife who persuaded me. I taught her to ring a number of years back. I'm not sure that was a good idea or not, but I did. <laughs> and, uh, and she persuaded me after four or five years that we should get back into it because she thinks it's a great, a great uh, way of combating potential Alzheimer's. And I think she's probably right. But that was what brought me back in. And then while I was in, it just transpired that it was supposed to come up. They don't come up very often in Ireland for the Central Council. And I thought, I hadn't done that before. So I'll do that. And then they persuaded me to do a third incarnation as Ringing Master. And in a way that worked out, I think, for the greater purpose, because it, that followed on quickly behind that came to mood. And that's how I find myself where I am now, but extremely frustrated because I came back with the idea I'd be back for a certain limit length of time. I'm not getting any younger. I'm approaching retirement. And here's all this time where I can't do anything. And I'm certainly frustrated with the art situation. But there you go. Are you frustrated with the what situation? I'm just frustrated with the situation that time is ticking uh, I don't see myself ringing bells infinitely into my 80s or 90s. And you gradually have health issues creeping up on you as well. So what's frustrating me is if everything had gone to plan, we would have had that course. And I would be teaching initially a, a group of eight or nine people, supervising them rather than teaching them, guiding them uh, as they taught individuals themselves to gain their art teaching accreditation. So that all that would be well down the road now. Whereas the way things are shaping up, uh, I'm to wonder this side of next autumn. Would you be you could be before you even start something like that? So that that's frustrating. Yes. Apart from the towers that you regularly ring at, what is your favourite ring of bells and why? 
My favourite ring of bells would be, obviously, people always have an affinity for the tower that they learnt in. Uh, and in my case, that was St Nicholas Carrick Fergus, which is the only detached campanile in, in Ireland. Uh, and you always love the bells you, you, you learnt on. But there are quite loud in the chamber, as those who have run there will know. And the, the benefit of that, of course, is that you hear all your mistakes. Uh, I say that's a two-edged sword. But the benefit is you can hear certainly all your mistakes, which is a great thing when it comes to striking well. So that would be my obvious favourite. But beyond that, there's a ring of ten bells called Mount St. Alphonse's uh, Roman Catholic Cathedral in Limerick. They've got ten, and they are reputed by people who have travelled widely, and various bell hangers have assured me as well, that they are the best, or certainly among the best, ten in the world for their weight, their tone, both in the tower and outside, and the go of the bells. And they are certainly a great pleasure to ring. Uh, they go so well, and they sound, the tone The tone is, is, is fantastic. So I've been particularly fond of the ten bells of Mount St. Alphonse's in Limerick. What remarkable thing has happened to you that wouldn't have happened if you hadn't taken up bell ringing? Okay, I've thought about that a number of times over the years, and I guess the most remarkable thing is that I have discovered, without getting into some kind of soapbox on a religious level, I, I know that had I not got into bell ringing at the age that I did, then I would not have had the influence that's had on me in my formative teen years in particular, when you're breaking away, cutting against the traces, going to university, going through a period of rebellion about all things. All along, all that time, particularly where God and stuff's concerned. I suppose the best thing I can say about, about bell ringing in that sense is that because I was always still ringing bells in various churches throughout all that time, it kept me, if you like, on the fringes of, of, of Christianity. So I never drifted away into a completely unbelieving situation. And But for bell ringing, I probably would have had no connection with the church. But I think what happens to you in later years or what hopefully can happen to you in later years is that you, you start to question things and if you it made it easier for me to look at the look at life from the Christian perspective that I wouldn't have been able to but for that connection with the church through bell ringing. Thank you to Don McLean who gave us a fascinating insight into the ringing scene in Ireland. Suggestions based on his experience on how to organise teaching a whole new band of ringers from scratch and for telling us about his plans for after COVID. Don explained how learning complex methods originally kept him interested in ringing, but how teaching and watching others learning is what he enjoys most now. If you have enjoyed this episode, then please consider letting someone else know about it. This podcast was put together by a team. Special thanks go to Anne Tansley-Thomas and John Gwynne, Leslie Belcher, the Society of Cambridge used for the recording of their ringing. And specially for this episode, Vaughan Jones for the violin playing. <laughs>